Hello, and welcome to the Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 76. Unfortunately, today I do not have Laura on. Totally my fault. My schedule has been extremely busy lately, and I just could not find time this month. Um, Work stuff and personal stuff both just... Lots of stuff going on, so I do apologize, but I do have a topic. I want to continue our Thoughts Inspired By series, um, which is Thoughts Inspired by the Lore, or I mean Thoughts Inspired by the Runes, and today I'm going to do Gibo. So before we jump into that, the introduction to let everybody know, uh, you can see my website at hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. And there you can find my email address in case you had show topics, uh, questions, concerns, anything like that. And that is hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, that's also at the website. If you wanted to subscribe, which I suggest, since it is a monthly podcast, it's hard to remember to go out and get it every month. You can find um, the RSS feed in the podcast section of the website, hugenhoff.org. Okay, uh, those are the main things I did want to mention. Again, before we start, uh, since Laura is not on, I will mention that he has written uh, quite a few books, and you can find those. There will be links in the show notes, or you can search um, Stephen Oaks on Amazon.com. He's got a few different books there that you can check out. And I have also written a book recently, and you can find that on Amazon as well. Just search Byron Rogers Lightbringer. That's the only one that I have. I do not have quite the collection that Steve does. Um, Just that one book. But, you know, feel free to pick it up. It doesn't really have anything to do with Ossetru. Some of the ideals of Ossetru are explored in the book, I suppose, but it's it's not a book about Ossetru. It's just a side project that I do because it interests me. But, you know, I thought I'd mention it here in case anybody was uh, curious, and you can find links to that in the show notes as well. So let's jump right into Gibo today. Gibo, if you want the quickest definite, or I shouldn't say the quickest, if you want a quick definition, you can find that at my own website under the runes uh, page, hugenhoff.org slash runes, and it says, Gibo, a, a gift from the gods or a gift to the gods, a gift from one person to the other. So, gifts in the most general sense of the word. And sort of how this is fitting into the rune poems is we've had this whole idea of our interaction with the world, coming to control the world in some areas. Uh, Kinnis last month, the idea of sight revelation, um, what you're going to do with the things that you have found, so to speak, you have taken the fire from from the realm of understanding. And now the next step, Gibo, what are you going to give that fire to? So you have the idea in cultures that people will learn about things and understand things and um, improve the way that they're doing things. And the next step in that is passing that light on, passing the torch on to somebody else. A very obvious example would be passing the torch down from like a family business. If you were a blacksmith or a healer of some sort, uh, evolving to doctors today, 
many times you'd pass that on to an apprentice or perhaps your children. And that's a gift that you're giving. So that, in the grand sense of things, you can kind of see where gift, gibo, would come in there. Um, from the rune poems, I do hope that I kept it up. We've got, uh, what is this? The Anglo-Saxon rune poem says, uh, Generosity brings credit and honor, which supports one's dignity. It furnishes help and subsistence to all broken men who are devoid of aught else. Uh, so again, we have the idea of gifts to other people. And the idea that gifts bring you honor and other people help in certain ways. I think there's also the idea of a gift to the gods, you know, in bloat, for example, is kind of us gifting to the gods. We are sharing something with the gods. Uh, so there's a lot, and then the other way around, a gift from the gods to us. So there's there's actually a, a few things that we can discuss here. So I think I'm going to start with a gift to the gods, and then I'll talk about gift from the gods, and then the bulk of it, probably anyway, is going to be um, gifts from person to person, I guess. There might be more in there, but uh, that, that's basically where I'm going to go with this. So the first topic I want to jump into is let's talk about gifts to the gods. Uh, the most obvious example of this is at a bloat, where what a lot of people do, myself included, is we'll brew mead, so that takes some amount of effort. Um, it's not easy to brew mead. There's some steps into it. You're putting work into it, and then at bloat, you take that horn and you fill it with the mead that you've brewed. And it doesn't have to be. It can be store-bought, and then you have the idea that the work that you put in to make the money, which you then bought the mead with is the gift. I like the idea of making the mead yourself because it's a more direct gift. This is something you've created with your own hands, whereas the through the transaction of money makes it a step removed. But I mean, both are fine. It's not like if you don't brew mead, you can't have real bloats. That's absolutely not true. Um, But I do like the idea of brewing the mead with your own hands. But the, the idea is you put your your time and energy into this mead, you pour it into the horn, you say words of uh, thanks and appreciation and honor to the gods, and then you pour that into your bowl, your bowly, and at the end of the ceremony, you bloat that or pour it out under a sacred tree or whatever it is that you do. And the idea is, and with the words that you say, you are saying, this is a gift to the gods. As the gods give to us, we give back to them. This is a gift to the gods. Now, obviously, when you pour the meat on the ground, it's not like the gods physically come down and scoop it up and drink it. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's, that's not what happens. But what does happen is you are symbolically saying, I have put my time and my energy into this. And by setting it aside and saying, this is not a thing that I will partake of myself, this is something I will quote-unquote throw out, it's not really throwing out, but quote-unquote throw out, I will make it impossible for me to enjoy the fruits of my labor, and I will say it is for the gods, and in in that sense, you are making a sacrifice. Um, and I think the importance of, of sacrifice here is you're saying, look, I put time and effort into something with the sole purpose of 
remembering somebody else for it. Um, in the Sambo realms, sometimes you'll do this to the ancestors, so it's the same idea. Obviously, the ancestors themselves don't come and drink the mead physically, but you're still doing a thing where, like, I've put time and effort in this, and I'm not going to enjoy the fruits of my labor. I have marked it in my mind space as a gift to the ancestors. Um, maybe an easier one to understand, especially if you don't do bloats, would be decorating graves. If you go to a graveyard, you know, you buy these flowers and you're like, okay, these are pretty flowers, but I'm not going to put them in my house and enjoy them every day. I'm going to put them on a gravestone. Do I think that my dead ancestors like come down and smell the flowers and think they're pretty? Of course not. But what you are doing is you are saying with your words and your actions that the ancestors are important to you and um, you have taken time and energy and money out of your own life to, to say, I was thinking about the ancestors and so I've bought these flowers and I've put them on the grave. And I think doing things like that is important. It's important to take a moment to remember where we came from, uh, especially with the ancestors. That's almost more of an obvious one. We came from the ancestors in, in a very physical way. We would not exist if they didn't give birth to us in the first place. So you're sort of giving back in that sense. And giving back might even be the wrong word. What it really is is you are taking time to honor them in a meaningful way. You know, it's easy to say, I honor the ancestors and leave it at that. But if if you take the time to buy the flowers or brew the mead, you're you're putting work into it. You're putting work into something. And you're the only thing you get out of putting work into that thing is honoring these people. So in your mind, the honoring of the person is associated with something very real and tangible. And I think that's useful because then to your own self, you are saying that the ancestors are important to me or the gods are important to me. And that's why I think like the gifts that you give and the bloats are such an important thing and something that really you should be doing. And of course, if you believe that the ancestors do live on, um, not everybody does, I do, but not everybody does. Or if you believe that the gods do live um, live as well, uh, which again, not everybody does, I do. But if you believe the gods exist in some objective sense of the word, then you can imagine that if they are there or present in your life, they would see that and appreciate it. Um, you can imagine, I think, if somebody made you something really special because they like you as a person, but I don't know, for whatever reason, you can't have a direct communication with them. They dis- they displayed it in their house or outside or whatever solely for you. You can see that would be kind of like a, a good feeling. Um, and those like positive energies that were put into that thing that you made are sort of passed on to the ancestors or the gods, whichever. Um, but I think the the biggest, the biggest, most obvious reason why we would want to give gifts to the gods and to the ancestors and the bloat is to solidify that connection that we have with the gods. Is it a nice gesture to them as well? Of course it is. But I think the biggest reason is to us and to 
our minds, we are saying, this is something real and tangible we are giving to the gods. We are putting, we are actually putting our effort and our um, heart and soul into something for the sole purpose of, of honoring the gods. And in that way, they become a bigger part of your life. Um, this kind of comes up later with the idea of people giving gifts to each other, and, and I'm kind of going to go over how um, it solidifies, I'm taking notes as I go, that's professional, it solidifies bonds between people. You know, you don't give gifts to just anybody, you give gifts to people you care about, so it solidifies bonds. I'll probably go into that a little bit deeper later, but it can be the same thing with the gods. It can solidify the bonds that you have with the gods, kind of in the same way. Anyway, the flip side of that is we have the idea of gifts from the gods, and how much you think this is true is a very much personal decision. If you um, meditate on the gods or pray to the gods, for lucky lottery numbers, I don't think that they're going to give you the lucky lottery numbers. I don't think you can get gifts like that. And if you ask for a new car because you're having car troubles, I don't think some miraculous thing is going to happen where you just stumble across a new car for free and, you know, I don't think a miraculous thing is going to happen where you win a contest and you're like, oh, well, the gods must have just given me that. Or, you, or you're going to find money magically appear in your house. I don't think that's how the gods give gifts. Um, I think the gods give gifts in different ways and more subtle ways. Uh, I think the biggest way that they give gifts is through their wisdom, actually. So, for example, if you say to yourself... Um, I want to live a more examined life. I feel like I don't know myself. I feel like I don't know the world. I feel like I am existing but not living. And and you ask Odin for help with that. You may find yourself inspired by working with Odin and by reading the stories of Odin to examine yourself and the world around you in a deeper way, as Odin does. Knowledge is very important to him. And I think that he can pass that lesson on to you that knowledge is an important thing and not in some abstract way like, oh, I guess knowledge is good to have. And not even in the very scientific, practical way like, well, we make these great inventions with knowledge, but in a deeper way that living an examined life and understanding why you do the things you do can bring you happiness. And... Odin is not the greatest example of a god that's going to make you happy. He teaches you just as important lessons, but being happy maybe isn't isn't the top of his list. Um, but I think he can definitely make you live a better life and a more fulfilling life by stressing these things uh, like knowledge. So I think that's really where the gifts come in through the inspiration. Inspiration is part of it, um, but the bigger part of it is the lessons that he gives you. Um, If you're trying to live a more examined life and you work with Odin and you read his stories, you see there are many times where knowledge didn't give him happiness and, and you ask yourself, how much knowledge do I need to know? Do I want to know the time and place of my own death? 
No, that's not possible anyway. But if it were, would you want to know that? And the answer is quite likely no. But you can start looking at him and the things that he has gone through and come to these decisions of what do I want to be knowledgeable about? What level of knowledge do I want to have? And I do definitely think it's a high level. You really do want more knowledge is almost always better. But there's certain cases where you would maybe ask again, like, is, is it truly the best thing? If you want to honor your ancestors because you want to feel a connection to them, perhaps you turn to Braggy and look at the poems that he has written. And maybe through working with Braggy, through reading his stories, you you come to a deeper appreciation of poetry and you start reading or even writing your own poetry. And that's something that I do on occasion is write poetry and I think... That can make you feel better about yourself. You can do the type of poetry where you understand yourself better by writing about your emotions or experiences or whatever. You can do a different type of poetry that honors others, which I think Braggy really excels at. You know, stories, a a lot of these stories about the ancestors that we have, the poetic Eddas, all these other epic poems, lots of pieces of the lore, um, come to us through poems. They're oftentimes not originally written as stories, they're originally written as poems. The Poetic Eddas, it's kind of in the title, it was and is an epic poem. It's a huge poem, but it's not a poem about the things that poems are normally about today, which might be um, your, your feelings or your love for another one. Those are common things poems are about today, but it's actually about honoring and remembering um, the gods and the history of the world, and then that bleeds over in, in other pieces of lore about the history of certain people, certain famous people. And that's something that I think can be quite useful if you feel like you're not remembering your ancestors well enough. Can you write a poem about them and and feel better about yourself and feel like you have more of a connection through writing that poem, maybe even capturing pieces of their history before they're lost to time. Um, That's something I don't really do very often. I don't normally write epic poems about my family history to to preserve the stories that are in my own family, but I don't think it I don't think it would be a bad idea. I think that's definitely a worthwhile thing, and maybe that is a gift that Braggy could give to you. Something I do often do is write poems about, or or write poems to honor sometimes concepts and often gods or even people that I find inspiring or important to me. And that's very helpful. It makes me understand why I find these people important to me. It helps me understand why I find these gods important to me. And it helps me sort of reprioritize my own life. If you write a poem about Odin, you can sort of, as you write the poem, you're not going to start, let me start, as you write a poem about Odin in, in the, or with the intention of honoring him, things like mentioning his wisdom and what he did to gain that wisdom that will naturally come up in the poem because that's just how the poem's going to work. It's not going to make sense to say something out of character about Odin if you're trying to honor him. So in the poem you start like thinking about these concepts because the beauty of poetry is regardless of what poetry you write, if it's the kind that rhymes or it's 
not the kind that rhymes, it's just got a strict structure, or it's more freeform, whatever it is, poetry is really cool because you have to look at language and use these words that obviously have meanings, but you can't just write what you are thinking because it might not it might not fit the structure of your poem, or and it might not give you the rhymes that you want, and it might not give you the rhythm that you want. So you have to start thinking about lots and lots of different ways to say the same thing. And as you spend time with that thought for the purpose of rewording it to fit your poem, you are also understanding it on a deeper level, because you have to understand it on a deeper level, because you have to be able to manipulate the physical words into something that works in the structure that you're dealing with. So you have a deeper understanding and concept of what you're writing. So that is absolutely a gift of Braggy. If you say to yourself, if you were to ask Braggy for help in something along the lines of like, um, uh, um, well, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but we can just make an an easy example if you ask Braggy for help understanding why you should care about your family. One of his advice would seem to me something he might say or something his stories might imply you should try is writing poems, and then maybe you write poems about your family, and you understand and you rediscover those special things that make family so important. Or if you were having relationship trouble, for example, and you asked, okay, so here's a good example, you're having relationship trouble, and you ask and, and you ask Braggy for help. Now, the gifts of the gods will not be something like, and then your wife just starts being really nice to you and doing everything that you thought she should have done in the first place. That's not going to happen. The gods aren't going to come down and change your loved one into somebody new who's your perfect version. But a gift that Braggy could give through meditation or through reading his stories is he could inspire you to write a poem about your wife. And let's say you write this poem about your wife and as you're thinking about her and remembering the times you've had trying to think of things to say, you start to realize um, why you fell in love with her in the first place, perhaps. And as you go through those What happens at the end, how your relationship is made better by asking for help with it, is actually not that she changes in any way, but you change your own view on her, and you're like, oh, you know, actually, I fell in love with her in the first place for this reason, and she still does these things, but I've forgotten about them. I've forgotten all the good things that she does. Uh, I've, I've, or, or those things that I initially loved, about her have just become annoying now, but now that I re-examine them, they're actually really great things. Like, let's say she always asks questions, and initially you're like, oh, that's great, she's a curious person, but then later you're like, oh, I've got stuff to do, I'm busy, I don't have time to answer questions about philosophical concepts, it's annoying. But as you write the poem, you rediscover why you love that, and you're like, you know, actually, that's a great quality, maybe that's something I wanted myself. So by the time you're done with the poem, you have changed through the advice that you got. It's still a gift from the gods because you were still inspired by the gods uh, through, through meditation or through reading their stories to write this poem. And at the end of it, you have changed to be in a better place in your own life and your own, um, 
attitude towards your wife in this situation, and I'm just saying wife because I have a wife, whoever your partner is, um, your partner in this situation, you have a better attitude towards them because you have remembered, you know, all of those great things. So that's just an example. If you ask for help with money and you look to the gods, maybe uh, there would be something where some story of the gods inspires you to boldly go out and do something courageous. And in the sense of money, maybe that would be like uh, you start your own business, which is actually oftentimes not a wise financial decision to make but um maybe maybe it's to have the guts to just like walk up to your boss and say i deserve a raise because you really do deserve a raise and then your boss gives you the raise because you deserve the raise and now your money troubles are solved magically quote unquote because you asked for inspiration you asked for a gift from the gods and it's given to you in the form of inspiration to inspire you to do something which is ultimately going to make your life better so that's how the gifts from the gods work. Uh, now, now, what I'm talking about here, gifts from the gods and gifts to the gods, are very much non-physical gifts. Even the meat that you, that you give to the gods through the bloat, it's not the physical meat that you're giving, it's the idea behind the meat, the work that goes into it. The gifts you give from the gods are ultimately advice, ideas, inspiration, things like that. And maybe they can be closer to something physical, but generally I think the gifts from the gods are are like that, advice, inspiration. Um, We're not talking about real physical gifts. So what I want to do now is go into real physical gifts because what I do not want you to come away from this podcast thinking is physical gifts don't matter. The ideas of gifts matter, but physical gifts don't matter. I don't actually believe that at all. So, let me touch on gifts from person to person. We've got Yule coming up here in, here in, a, here in a while, um, December, time for mid-December, and that's a time when often you would give gifts to your family members. Absolutely a thing that you should still do, and there's lots of reasons for that. Most obvious you give a gift to your to your kids, you get to see the joy in their face. That's great. That's really, I mean, this is cliche, but giving is better than receiving in that case. Just seeing the joy in their face is really great. Uh, but let's talk about giving to, gifts to people who are not children, because it's always easy to give gifts to a kid because you see the kid play with a toy, and that's so fun and happy that you do it forever. But as we get older, I feel like we can easily fall into this place where we're like, A, let's just not give gifts. We don't have time with that. And even your spouse, which I think you should still give gifts to your spouse. I understand brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, as the families get bigger, as you all have your own kids, it gets out of hand. And at some point in time, you'd be giving... If you're still giving gifts to aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, there's going to be this point in time when you're giving like... 50 gifts to 50 different people and you're bankrupting yourself on gifts, maybe that's not a good idea. 
But what I do think is a good idea is to always give a gift to your spouse, maybe give some gifts to your close friends. Yule is a great time to give those because it's a reminder. Hey, have you given a gift to this person in a while? It doesn't have to be Yule. You know, it's great to just give a gift out of the blue or because you're visiting somebody. A lot of the lore, actually, you know, people would very oftentimes show up and they'd be like, you know, traveling. Not a special occasion, they'd be traveling, which of course, traveling was almost a special occasion because it's so much harder in the past. But they go to the person's house and be like, oh, I wanted to see you. I haven't seen you forever. Here's some arm rings and a sword and a shield. And the guy would reciprocate with, or the other person would reciprocate with, you know, something of roughly equal value. Uh, Giving Giving gifts sort of implies that you get gifts back. That's the social protocol. That's not the reason you give gifts, but it's usually how it would work. Anyway, the idea of giving gifts to adults is important because it says that you took time to think about them. And I don't want to say you should never give gift cards to people because sometimes that's the best Oftentimes, the person will like and use the gift card more than they would have used or liked anything else. But part of why I like the idea of giving gifts and not gift cards to people is when you give somebody a gift, first of all, it's a kind gesture. And that that goes a long way to cementing that friendship or relationship and making the person... Um, closer to you because you have done something nice, but also it's proving that you know the person. And I mean, that, that makes it sound almost harsh, like it's a test. Like, if I don't like your gift, that's because you don't really know me and you failed some way. And I don't like putting that much pressure on gifts, but that statement is not entirely false. For example, if I have never met you before and you say to me, hey, buy me a gift, and I'm like, okay, and I go buy you a gift, you're probably not going to like it because, you know, what am, I, what am I going to buy you? Maybe I buy you the entire collection of Evangelion and you don't like anime. That would be a terrible gift. You're not going to like it. But if I've known you for years and you say to me, hey, buy me a gift, first of all, that'd be rude, but let's go with it. You say, hey, buy me a gift, and you're like, oh, I know what to do. This guy loves model trains, and he likes the HO series, and he does early 1900 trains, so I bet he would love this train car because he keeps talking about wanting to expand his whatever rail line, so I'm going to buy it. That'd be a great gift because I know him. You can't give a good gift to somebody you don't know because you don't know what they like and what they don't like. You can hope it's good, and sometimes you'll be lucky. You can try to be safe and be like, okay, well, I'll get him a screwdriver set. He probably needs it. But when you get a screwdriver set, you're like, oh, thanks. That was really nice of you. But when you get... um, some book that's super meaningful to you from your childhood or something, that can be a great gift or a game you're super excited about or whatever you're into, whatever hobby you're into. That can be a great gift because that's the type of gift that you would open up and play with uh, in kid terms. You know, if if it's a great book, you don't, you, you, you might open it up and read it. That can be a very meaningful 
thing. And, and you'll think about your friend as you're reading it. And that's another reason actual gifts are great because if you give a good gift, it's a gift the person's going to use. If the person uses this, uses the gift, then they think about you when they're using that gift. You know, they think about you as they're watching or reading Evangelion, or they think about you as they're building their model train. And then you, as their friend, or whatever your relationship is, you become more a part of their life. Because even though you're not there physically, your gift is there, which is to some extent a representation of you when they're doing this hobby that they really like. And that is one of the biggest, most important things about gifts, I think, that it solidifies relationships between people. Um, Because A, you've got, well, it was a nice thing to do, but that's really the least important. I think the big thing is it proves that you know the person and that you understand the person, that you understand their likes and dislikes, that you support their likes. You know, you can't give a gift to somebody who you consider to be a horrible person because what would it be? All of their hobbies are maybe things you don't agree with. If you had a friend who is a criminal and broke into houses, you you would not buy them a lockpicking set. Even though you knew maybe that's what they wanted, you don't want to support that behavior. So by giving gifts to your friends, you are sort of entering that space of their hobbies and also showing that you um, support it. You're like, I support you doing this thing. That's why I'm giving you a gift. So there's a lot going into gifts. There's there's the idea that it's just a nice gesture. There's the idea that you are supporting the hobby. The biggest one, there's the idea that you know this person. Um, and then there's also the idea that you're giving them joy. And as a friend, you want to give your other friends joy. I mean, that is what you want to do. You want to bring your friends joy. That's why you hang out with them. Um, And also you want to get joy from them on the other way, which is why the gifts going back and forth, the reciprocal nature of it is so important because you can't build a bridge one way. You kind of have to both people come from opposite directions. And uh, like personally, my wife and I, we always exchange gifts on anniversaries, birthdays, and Yule. On occasion, I'll get her a gift just randomly out of the blue. I don't do it as much as I should, but sometimes I do that too. Uh, and, and the reason is, and a lot of couples fall into this thing where they're like, oh, we'll just do gift cards or what happens all of the time is they'll be like, well, I want something. So I'll tell my partner that for my birthday, her gift to me is this saw and either she can just buy it or often the case, I will buy it and it will some from the joint checking account, but it counts as my gift. And I mean, that's fine and that works for some people. And in a certain sense, it is extremely logical because there is X amount of dollars set aside for gifts. And if you have the person getting the gift, also purchasing the gift. So my gift from my wife is purchased by me. I'll never be disappointed because I'll always get what I want. I understand that and it makes sense and I'm not telling anybody who does that that they're wrong because maybe that's the best way to do things. But with this whole idea of gifts, I personally like the idea of exchanging gifts because that gives me a moment to 
prove to that person that I still know what their um, desires are. I still know what they want in life. And you know, in another sense, um, it makes me think about that stuff. You know, it's so easy with day-to-day life to not think about other people. And I mean, we all know that we should think about other people and we should think about the people that we love, but it's so easy not to. And if you have to buy them a gift, and you know, that's why a, a lot of people will say, don't exchange gifts on Yule, don't exchange gifts on birthdays or anniversaries, just buy four random gifts throughout the year. What if you forget to buy the gifts? That's why I do actually exchange gifts on the holidays because when Yule rolls around, I am forced to say to myself, what is my wife currently interested in as hobbies? Is she on a knitting kick? Because then that gives me an idea. Maybe I'll buy her these certain needles she wants or this particular type of yarn she's after. But it also makes me say, is she on a knitting kick? And that makes me say as a person like, First of all, she has her own hobbies and interests separate from mine. She's an individual person who's pursuing exciting things that are worth pursuing. Maybe I should take a moment to show a little more interest in that. Maybe I should say, hey, that hat you knit for the kids, that was really pretty. You did a great job on that. And shopping for the gift might inspire me to do that and to take a moment to Uh, really reflect on that relationship I have with that person and realize that they've got their own things going on as well. It it almost forces you to get to know the person you're buying the gift for again. Because again, if you don't know what they're into, you don't know what to buy them. And if I buy someone a model train car and they haven't done model trains in 15 years, it wouldn't be a great gift. So When I'm buying that gift, again, I'm like, have I talked to this person recently about them? And I mean, that's another huge one with with friends and um, relationships, like with spouses. It's often easy to fall into this thing where you end up talking about yourself all the time. and, And you start thinking about it and you're like, what do they want? Well, the last time I talked to them, I talked to them about how... SQL statements are a pain in forms. It's like, okay, well, that wasn't about them. And before that, I talked to him about my favorite new TV show on Netflix. And you start thinking about it, and you're like, well, when is the last time I asked him how, how they're doing, what they're doing? When was the last time I sat down and said, what are you into? Let's talk about that for a minute. So that's another like. So, so a lot of these, I guess the thing I'm getting at, a lot of these are like reminders to just like, take a step back since you are quote-unquote obligated to buy a gift. They're reminders to take a step back and think about that other person as a person, not as an extension of yourself or as a part of a relationship that you're in, but to think about them as an individual. And you're like, I care about this person. I need to think about them as a person. I need to know what they are into. I need to know what they're passionate about. Because you should know what your friends and especially your spouse is passionate about. So that's another good reason you could buy gifts. Um, and I've, I've sort of already hit on the solidifies bonds between people. There's just something special about um, giving gifts back and forth. 
you end up having so many things in your day-to-day life. And, you know, there's there's um, things that I have. I have a fountain pen, for example, that my wife bought me for um, Yule, I think it was. And I use it every day. And it's great because every time I use it, I'm like, oh, this is a fountain pen that Lauren bought me. And, you know, I don't just sit there and dwell on it. I think about it real quickly, but it's a nice... It's a nice thing that, you know, every day in my in my day when I'm at work, I'm not here. I pick this up. I remember real quick, like, oh, that was a nice thing that she did. And these physical objects, and in this case, it's important they're physical, unlike the beginning ones where the physicality wasn't important. It's, it's all about them being physical. You pick up a physical object and you're reminded of a person that you love. It brings them more and more into your daily life and your moment-by-moment life. And I, I think that's really important for solidifying those relationships. Um, and the same thing happens on their end. Um, and, then, and, and also just a lot of goodwill going back and forth between two people. So, yeah, gifts are great. I think that's everything I wanted to say about gifts. So, I guess sort of to wrap up. I I think gifts are a great idea. I think you should give gifts to your kids because kids love gifts. I think you should give gifts to the gods and think about how you receive gifts from the gods, how to be appreciative of that knowledge, maybe you perceive, or, or inspiration that you receive from them. And also to spend some time to say, hey, this is a part of my life that is worth working on and worth putting work into. And then we come from gifts to people to people. The biggest things about a gift from person to person is, first of all, you have the fact that you're making them happy. That's important. You have the fact that goodwill is going back and forth between these people. You have the fact that you have physical reminders that like, hey, this person cares about me on a daily basis when you use the gifts they've given you. And again, the biggest thing, I think, is just the idea that when you when you exchange gifts, when you're buying a gift for the other person, you're forced to know them and you're, you're testing and they're not testing you, but you are testing yourself. You're testing yourself to say, do I really know what's important to this person or not? And, and if you do, you can give them a great gift. You're going to feel good because they're happy about it. And you know that you know one another well and that relationship is strong and solid and and that's a really good way to just sort of constantly monitor like am I really giving this person or this relationship enough time and thought that I can know a person well enough to buy a gift for them and real quick it's always a challenge to buy a good gift and everybody will drop the ball on occasion doesn't mean you don't know who you're buying the gift for it just means we all drop the ball on occasion. And if it's a challenge to think of something they're really going to love, that probably means you're doing it right because that probably means you're not okay with something that's all right. You want the perfect gift and you're really challenging yourself, really thinking about the person. So um, if, if you find yourself challenged to buy good gifts, that's a good thing because that means you're really thinking about all the different things this person does and which one would be the best. Um, but yeah, anyway, basically, I think people should give gifts, and I think people should give physical gifts, not gift cards or money. I love the idea of people giving physical gifts because it really makes you think about the people that you love, 
and it forces you to really know those people that you love. Uh, anyway, gifts are great, and also true, it's always been kind of a part of our culture to give gifts and to be generous because the people that are important to you, your friends and your family, are worth the effort that it takes to buy a gift. So I think that's all I've got about it. All I've got to say about that. Yule's coming up. Make sure you give people cool gifts. Uh, if, if you're the type that doesn't give gifts, maybe try it this year. See how you feel about yourself and your friends after you've given some really well thought out gifts. Anyway, that's about it. So to wrap up, I do want to remind everybody, if you want to check out my website, please feel free to do so. That is at hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. Check out Steve's book, which you can find by searching Stephen Oaks on Amazon or look at the show notes. Check out my own book, which you can find by searching Byron Rogers Lightbringer on Amazon or search in the show notes if you had emails you can send those to hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com and thank you everyone so much for listening and have a great month for all hail